0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Dr. Christian Liprecht is a national and international security expert, Queen's University and Royal Military College. He's a monk fellow in security and defense at the Macdonald-Laurier Institute. One of his books, North American Strategic Defense in the 21st century. Christian, thank you very much for for taking the time and may I start with your views and your thoughts on the Prime Minister having more than once now mused about engaging the Emergencies Act, the Federal Emergencies Act. What's What's your thinking?
1: Yeah, so the purpose of the Emergency Act is you have four different conditions, a public welfare emergency, a public order emergency, an international emergency or a war emergency. Uh, that the prime minister can call and as you point out essentially allows the federal government to take over provincial powers and or control the movement of goods and or people and so the powers are quite extensive um, and in many ways assert the normal functioning of canadian constitutional democracy and so there's many concerns around this whether the government can actually justify the act under section one of the charter whether this is actually necessary that is to say are there provinces that for instance effectively cannot cope under the current circumstances um, and would the federal government actually be able to deliver better and I think this is ultimately the concern because it's a little bit like the federal government coming in and telling you that we can take out the garbage better than your municipality and you would have to think that uh, you would have to have some serious issues with your garbage trucks and uh, yeah. the ability to take out the garbage in Order for the fellow government to come in and. Do that. And so part of the concern here is that the federal government believes that they may not be prepared. We have serious challenges um, in areas over which the federal government has jurisdiction, that is particularly um, on First Nations, remote First Nations reserves. And so I think the premiers are kind of saying, well, when it comes to that, come and call us and we'll see how we can help out. You don't need to usurp our powers in order to make up for your shortfalls. Uh, in federal stockpiles and uh, in the ability to make sure that you can deliver adequate federal services in the jurisdiction for which you are ultimately responsible
0: what's your assessment of the job uh, the government has done mr trudeau's government has done dealing with the challenges the issues that have been raised that have come forward have been exposed through covid nineteen today we had of course the parliamentary session where the serb program uh, is going to be Um, pushed through Parliament today. 75% of the first 58,700 earned, up to 847 per week. For up to 12 weeks, retroactive to March the 15th, available to companies which lost 15% of their revenues in March or 30% in April or May. The money starts to flow in two to five weeks. What do you think of the job they've done overall?
1: We have done, I think, a fantastic job at doing what Canadian governments do best which is to follow rather than to lead. And waiting to see what other countries do, waiting to see what experiences are being made elsewhere, and relying, as we like to do as Canadian or as Canadians, on international organizations because we believe in unilateralism and we believe in the UN. And all that has turned out to be bad advice. It has meant that the Federal Civil Service uh, was slow in recognizing the challenge of the problem and providing the adequate advice, in part because we didn't have the necessary expertise to be able to act expeditiously on this within the Federal Civil Service. We have been slow in learning the lessons from other partner countries because we looked to the wrong countries instead of places in Asia, notably Taiwan, as I've raised in the past, that has been very expeditious, where no schools are closed, no stores are closed, and we wouldn't be out $100 billion um, if we had acted more expeditiously there. Um, And um, in terms of the measures that you just invoked, it seems that every time we invoke a measure, uh, there are critics, experts uh, that point out that other countries have already done similar measures bigger, quicker, and faster. Uh, The idea, for instance, of a crisis um, emergency income, giving everybody who lost their job some money right away rather than trying to work our way through all the federal programs that we have in place and then trying to fill gaps. So I would say that uh, there is considerable opportunity here finally to show leadership rather than to continuing to try to see what cues we can take from elsewhere because those cues um, have, have made sure that the government provides is usually behind the curve rather than ahead of the curve.
0: We're going to be speaking with the Danish economist, uh, Dr. Lars Christensen in a few minutes time. But Denmark is starting to lift cautiously, carefully some of its lockdown restrictions. And they're the ones who I think started this 75% support or subsidy wage subsidy program quite a number of weeks before uh, Canada took the action. And Mr. Trudeau was asked repeatedly during his daily news conferences uh, whether he was going to be taking this action, and he just uh, held his fire. And and wouldn't commit, and eventually they did. I, I wish, by the way, they would also deliver the assistance to the uh, to the energy sector, the oil sector in Alberta, and not just talk about it, which is what what appears to be happening at this juncture. But l- let me move on to um, uh, the question of of of, of China, Huawei, five G, and Canada. I know you've you've, you've testified before Parliament. On this, we saw that uh, that uh, the Belgians in Brussels they've stopped uh, constructing their 5G network. Switzerland similarly, after 2,000 towers were installed, and now Huawei is still applying pressure to Canada to be part of our 5G system. Uh, I, I, there's a question hidden in there somewhere, Christian.
1: So this is, of course, the country where we've now learned of substantial institutional capture of the World Health Organization by China in terms of the directions that the World Health Organization issued, that the Canadian government followed, that then ensured that... Uh, We were slow rolling our own response in terms of cues. This is the country that um, has known about this virus since November, as we now know, Um, and uh, this deliberately obfuscated, lied, deceived both their own citizens and the world, where we could have avoided the biggest calamity that we've had in almost 100 years um, economically uh, and in terms of the number of deaths. How can we trust a country and a company that is closely tied into that country with building out the most important component of Uh, the 21st century which is data data is essentially the oil and gas of the 21st century Uh, this is a company we're well familiar with the geopolitical concerns about the national security components that huawei switches in both our internet and our wireless towers pose this is a company that is complicit in massive human rights abuses both within china and around the world a company that is actively propping up authoritarian regimes through the ability of an enabling digital authoritarianism and surveillance on a very large scale, and the company where the UK's Huawei Evaluation Centre has shown that the equipment is simply poor, inferior-built equipment. And we don't know what 5G is going to look like, but we do know it is going to be infinitely more complex than the 4G networks that we have today. And why would we let a company whose technology has been shown to be inferior into our networks that brought us the greatest economic calamity that we have seen in decades. I think it is time to realize that China is in many ways no better than Russia and Iran, who we've long treated as adversaries and as hostile countries, and we need to realize this is a country that unfortunately cannot be trusted, regardless of the narratives that the regime in Beijing would like to peddle.
0: And the Canadian military has been very direct in in their feelings and their advice to Parliament about Huawei and 5G.
1: Um, Both in part for their own network security, because the Canadian military, like everyone else, does rely in large part on private networks and private pipelines in order to deliver their data. And it also compromises military intelligence ability to cooperate with other partners, because imagine if other partners now say that we cannot provide you with certain types of intelligence or we can't provide you in a timely fashion because we don't trust effectively the pipeline network of data that you have in your country um, to provide this ultimately there's a trade-off here between economic considerations and security considerations and the military is saying We need to pay a higher insurance premium when it comes to this trade-off. We cannot take this risk because it is a risk that ultimately cannot be undone if it turns out that Huawei is the Trojan horse that many of us believe their switches pose within our internet and wireless infrastructure.
0: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever